Welcome back to Down to Brown. I'm recording an introduction for an episode after quite some time, and it feels good to be back. I will say the pause that we took between part one and part two of 2021 was such a great break. It was so helpful just to pause, and you know my commitment. I would love to push out an episode a week, and typically that's what I try to do, but um, the girl needed some sleep and some focus on her engagement and wedding planning. And so um, that's exactly what I did. I also had my parents come in. Uh, my mom has been here f- from India since April of this year. Um, and my dad came in for two weeks uh, for our engagement party. And that was also such a great experience. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit more about that. And you know, when your parents are there, it's wonderfully warm. It's wonderfully comforting, but it's also wonderfully confusing because no matter how old you are, you still have teenage shit bubble up. So more on that later. But in the meantime, as you know, we also have some exciting news. Dash Radio, specifically Ruckus Radio Avenue on the platform has picked Down to Brown Up as an a podcast that will be airing for the fall of this year. We have about 13 to 14 episodes that will be coming out. So it's it's a really big moment. We thank Ruckus Avenue so much for taking a chance on us and giving us this bigger platform. That being said, this week, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. So if you remember, in the first week of July, we talked to Shabnam Galati of Cultured Arna, which she hosts by night and by day. She works at Facebook. Funny story. I reached out to her thinking, let's network as hosts of our own brown podcast. And turns out we work together. So we connected over that, had a few things to bond about. But we thought, okay, it would be great to do an episode. We, as we were talking, realized eventually that Bollywood was a topic that we felt really passionate about because of the impact that it had on us growing up and some of our internalized conceptions about beauty and love and identity and being a woman, um, which we talk about in our July 2nd episode. So if you missed it, um, please catch up if you have time. But we also continued the conversation and we talked about Shabnam's time in Mumbai out of college and her stint in trying to make it in Bollywood. And it was a fascinating conversation. Think about it. We talk a lot as if you just isolated our American experience in this continent, we talk a lot about the American dream. And to us, that means something different, right? Like for me, it's themes of a white picket fence, a job that gives you some earning and stability and independence, a car that gives you that independence, a home maybe one day, using credit to you know become wealthier. There's a whole gamut, becoming successful, building a family, making it work. And what Shebdom and I talk about is this concept of everyone is sort of entitled to this American dream when it when it's America. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, when you talk about the things you love about America, I love that I am a person who is seen for who I am and I can earn a place. Not to say that, you know, knowing the right person or corruption or, you know, all the backhanded things don't exist in this country, but relative to other cultures, it can be somewhat of an opportunity here in the States. And maybe we can agree on that. Maybe you disagree and 
would love to hear more about that because I don't think you're wrong either. However, um, in other cultures, it can be a little hard. Um, You might be facing more of an uphill challenge if you're not born into a certain family or income bracket or caste or um, look, for example. And Shabnam and I share this opinion that sometimes in India, there's a little bit more of that social stratification that prevents you from being able to have access to certain opportunities. Um, And we also talk about this conflict, you know, of course, down to Brown, we love the tension between our identities. So we talk about this conflict that we can face as you grow up in America, you're not American or Indian enough. Then you go to your South Asian country of origin and you try to speak the language or whatever it is. And um, they might see you as someone who's also an outsider. So... While we talk about Bollywood, which seems like a unique industry, maybe um, something glamorous, etc., we actually talk about all the parts of it that aren't glamorous. What takes place there? How does Bollywood in the industry, especially Shabnam seeing it more up close, what is she seeing about Bollywood and how they talk about women in the industry, how they talk about bodies in the industry, how they do business, etc. And we also talk about what it means to be entitled to the American dream versus the Bollywood dream. So without further ado, let's pick back up where our conversation left off on July 2nd, where I asked Shabnam to tell me about her experiences in Bollywood. I expected. Um, I think I thought that it would be as linear and as simple as you go to a lot of auditions, you eventually get cast, um, and then your life starts. Like you get cast in a film, then you try to get another film and another film, and then you just like eventually become moderately famous or a star, depending on how your career goes. That's what I thought. I think. In theory, that theory is still correct, um, but in reality, it was um, it was just very difficult because I think like there's a lot of things you need to wrap your head around. I think like moving to India in the first place, moving to Bombay, not having any family there, um, and staying with like my parents' friends, for example, for a bit, and then having to find my own housing was a task in itself. Um, moving to any city is really hard, and especially if that city is in a developing country and you've been raised in the West your whole life, that's like also very hard. Um, I think like learning to live there is like almost like step one of the challenge list and I would say the challenge list is like 112 items long or something like that like it's like a lot you know so it's like learning to live there was like step one and it was like really difficult um also like realizing that I and I'm still trying to figure this out to this day whether Indians have a different concept when it comes to professionalism and whether it's like an Indian versus American thing or whether it's like 
a Bollywood versus rest of industries thing. But in general, like I always found that people were very comfortable wasting my time, frankly. Like we would have meetings about nothing and it would be so irritating because I would think like this person may want to cast me. But in reality, they don't want to cast me. They just want to like meet girls. And I'm not even saying like meet pretty girls because I think they're doing this to like everyone. And I don't know where I rank on their like list of like whether I'm pretty or not. But like this would always just be like, I just want to meet some people. And like they would pretend like they have work to give you, um, but they don't. They're just like wasting your time. And it's so difficult to figure out like who is relevant and who's not because if they are relevant they probably don't have time to meet you but when you're first starting out then you're like let me just try to meet everyone and and it's weird because i actually still to this day will like watch bollywood movies and look at the opening credits which i know most people ignore um but like i look at the opening credits and i look at the names and i'll realize a lot of times like oh i know who that person is i know who that person is i've met that person and I think about like these are the casting directors that are like known for having launched successful Bollywood actors careers in their lives. But some of them I can like definitely say like he was a creep and he was just checking me out the whole time we were talking. So it's like it's just like one of those things where it's just like there's a lot of that pain of sitting through pointless meetings and just not knowing where your life is going and it's like completely in other people's hands to like go through. That is really frustrating. And I know all careers are kind of, you know, obviously they have their challenges, but this is a whole different kind of level of, when you combine that piece of also like you're, it's hard not to take things personally because also to your point of like, if you're going and they're like wasting your time or like checking you out, that's just offensive and inappropriate. And so, you know, I'm also curious, like given what we talked about, you know, with Bollywood, what made you want to join it? Well, I think everything, like given what we talked about, it was very formative. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, but I think I will say like, I did take a much more practical approach than it sounds like. It wasn't like, I was just like, yes, I'm so on board. I love Bollywood films. Mm -hmm. This is the only career for me. I don't think I ever actually grew up thinking I was going to be a Bollywood actress. I know kids want to do that when they're like younger. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually have that dream as a child. Like as a child, I wanted to be an astronaut. And then that was the first career (laughs) I ever like remember wanting. Like I wanted to be an astronaut. That was the first thing. And then um, after that, I realized like, maybe it's not so safe to be an astronaut and you have to go through a lot of like physical testing because that's what I heard (laughs) in school. So I was like, maybe I'll just be an astronomer then. Because I mean, I was clearly like very obsessed with like celestial bodies at that age and thought like the planets were really cool and stuff like that. And then I think eventually like went through a series of things, but I grew up doing the performing arts. And so I was always on stage and I was a dancer growing up and um, I was always on stage. And there was this one like... defining moment where I was um, in a show and it was an Indian dance competition and Farah Khan had come to judge it and my dance team had done Shava Shava and I always like was sort of like the peppiest and like the most bubbly and like the most charismatic I would say at that age I'm not saying that anymore like I'm not saying like I'm the best (laughs) dancer ever but I think like at that age I was always like a, a bit like more so like 
charismatic and comfortable being on stage than some of my peers. So my dance teacher would always put me in the middle. And so I think like at that for that particular song, we did Shava Shava. I actually played Amitabh Bachchan, which is like hilarious because oh it was pretty funny. Like I was smaller than everyone else on the team like I was very short and every other person that like played other characters and we had like a bunch of like background dancers but every other person that played other characters that was like Shah Rukh Khan Rani Mukherjee Jaya Bachchan like everyone was taller than me but like my like my friends joke about it to this day where they're like but you had that Amitabh energy so the dance teacher like dressed me up as Amitabh and I like had a wig on and everything and I played this character and like we danced to Shava Shava and like we like did really well in the dance competition and Farah Khan had come to judge the dance competition and her and her brother were judging and they actually pulled me out of like you know like a group of like 200 kids and like brought me to the front of the stage and were like she did such a good job she's so cute um she like she, she was better than the seniors or like something like that where like I don't even remember what their exact words were but I feel like that was my 15 minutes of fame in life like that was like <laughs> definitely like a defining moment it's been downhill ever since I peaked at age 10 um but it's like where do you yeah, go like, from I think, yeah exactly I was like Farah Khan thought I was really good you know so it was like always in the back of my mind where it was like this co- silent confidence that I'm a good dancer I have charisma I have like stage presence like I am an entertainer and I and I I think I still believe this in my core Mm -hmm. like and again none of this is to be cocky but I really feel at my core I'm an entertainer um but I think that like that was that was just something that I always had in the back of my mind and then like some other stuff happened like when I was younger where like my mom had seen like um an an audition in a newspaper or something like this is like so old school right like she saw it in a newspaper and it was this was for not an Indian film but it was for um like a western film and I went and I auditioned for the role and the director really liked me and he wanted to cast me and ultimately the reason I didn't end up doing it and I think it was for an indie film but the reason I didn't end up doing the role was because um there was a lovemaking scene in it and at the time I was like age 11 and um like he was like is your daughter like are you okay with that to my parents and like specifically to my mom you're she's not in, in the scene me. right no I am like it was it was about me like the character was a girl my age gets impregnated by a 24 year old guy and so like yeah and so like obviously like when I read for the character like I didn't really know what like the whole film is about I just knew like they need someone my age and like the dialogue at the time the script like the scene that I read for was like pretty standard like it was just like a girl asking a guy like why don't you see me as a woman? And I think, like, part of what the director wanted was, like, this, like, childish, you know, like, that that mm-hmm. childish innocence, which I think I just naturally had. So, like, when I'm asking questions like that, I was being very playful and, like, you know, just, like, very, like, myself at the time. And I really think that was the energy he wanted. But I think that was the point, that, like, this girl has, like, this childish innocence and then this, like, pedophile basically, like, rapes her. And so, like, that was supposed to be 
the scene but like obviously my mom is like no I'm not comfortable with that you know and like I think in retrospect it was the right decision but she wouldn't even tell me like why she said no to the film because I think she was that worried about like me getting ideas or or getting scarred in some way so she was just like no I just don't think this is the right role for you and I was just like why and I was so mad about it at the time because I was like I could have been in a movie you know like at that age you were like (laughs) I could have been a movie star and like now I'm just like I'm so glad I didn't do that because like that would have been a very like traumatic way to start my acting career where I would have like gone through that and had to do the lovemaking scene and not even known what the hell is going on and then exactly. later on I would like see it on screen because he was like explaining it to my mom where he like he was like there's gonna have to be some lovemaking and I remember asking him like so there's gonna be kissing and then he just like smiled and he's like I'm guessing she, like, hasn't had the sex ed talk in school yet. And I was, like, I don't understand, like, why they're, like, whispering so much, you know? And then, like, um, yeah. he was, like, yeah, there's going to be, like, certain scenes where, like, she, like I think when she looks back on it, she may feel uncomfortable because he's, like, we're not going to take anything from the chest down, like, with her. Like, it would just be, like, you know, me wearing a tube top and, like, probably like everything else would be filmed from like far away so like you can't really tell what's happening but he's like but when she sees it on the screen I think she would become very aware that like she's being represented as like this lovemaking scene or this rape scene or whatever right so I think like at the time like I didn't really get why my mom hadn't let me do it and I was so upset about it but that's I think like those two instances is what I would say planted the seed where I was like I can be an actress because it was almost like dual validation at a young age right like a director had cast me in his film we said no and one of the greatest choreographers in India had like told me I'm a good dancer and so I think in my head like that seemed like it was enough to be like this is again like I was a child but in my head that's like enough to be like Mm -hmm. no you are an entertainer you are good at this and so and like I would always think one day I really want to try this out and so I think the decision point really came like post-college where like everyone senior year was interviewing for jobs and I was like I really want to go to Bombay and try this and I kept pretending like I just couldn't get a job because I was just like I I don't know how I'm gonna do this you know so I just like kept pretending like I couldn't get a job but in reality I was like secretly cooking up all these plans to like go to Bollywood (laughs) and I ended up like I did a lot of like interviews with companies and I somehow mistakenly got a job even in Atlanta and I was like turning it down because I was like I don't want to do this but I only told my parents afterwards or I told my mom and she was like, I can't believe you're going to do this. And you turned down a real job offer. But to my dad, I just kept making it seem like I couldn't get a job. So I remember there was like a family dinner after graduation where like my uncle was like, Shamnam, I just can't believe you didn't get a job because the, the economy is good right now and people are getting jobs right and left and you probably have a good GPA and you seem like you would interview well so I'm surprised that you didn't get one and of course like my mom's like ego couldn't handle that so she's like no she actually did get a job but she turned it down and then (laughs) my dad's like what and then that like opened the whole can of worms where he's like what are you doing like which world are you living in like you can't do this like we don't do this like why are you such a like and I think I think my dad like now that I think about it must have realized in that moment like he might have been like my daughter's schizo, you know? Like he might have just been like, why does she think she can do these things that she can't do? Yeah, so you hustled your way. Clearly you knew in your gut that you wanted to do this. So you figured out your way, you get to Mumbai. How did you, like, how does one get into Bollywood, right? Like, do you like, 
go to an office like I'm imagining like how did you end up being like I know how to end up here figuratively well I didn't know anything at all I I think and and I think like what's more annoying is that like in the west at least like we have like backstage.com and like things like that where you can like sign up for auditions but in India, there's no such site or like most of it is not online where you can like register. And a lot of times they like I think people have tried to build things where you can register yourself. But then that's the thing, like you end up thinking everything's a scam there. So people like generally don't mm. use them. And it's just like very difficult. So um, I didn't know what to do because I mean, I had very little information apart from I know I want to do this. So like one thing that I would do is before I went, and I distinctly remember this, I would like sit in the library at school, at college, and like be looking up a lot of things. And and I took a very academic approach to Bollywood. I think like I would look at each film in the last like five years that I could remember that I thought was remotely interesting and like look at like each film's Wikipedia page and look up like who is the director, who is the casting director, who is the production house. And I would like write it down in like a notebook and start making like a mapping of like pretty much like all the important people I should try to meet in Bombay. Mm. And like that was like how I thought about it. It was like a giant networking tree for me. And then when I went to Bombay, obviously I have no way of actually contacting these people. So I figured like, okay, let me just keep these names in mind. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I enrolled in an acting school because I thought like, obviously I could use the help learning to act in Hindi, but also like it'll help me meet some more people and like make some friends in the city because I don't really know anyone and make some friends my own age um, that are also trying to do similar things. So that was like a good way to sort of just like start getting embedded into the city and making some friends. And then like, I would ask them like, how are you getting auditions? And then they would tell me like, oh, like I know this guy who sends me auditions. And firstly, let me just say, everyone knows a guy everyone knows like <laughs> everyone knows like 300 guys like it, it's like none of these people are actually like big or relevant yeah. but like you got to start somewhere but basically like there's different levels to what you have to do so there's like tv commercials there's um you know there's like serials and i really didn't want to do a serial at the time because this is also pre-streaming platforms that i was there which i'm so mad that now there's like all these streaming platforms and i could have like tried my hand at them because I do think the content that is on the streaming platforms is way better than the classic like Sas Bahu TV serials that they play on like ZTV or something. So I really didn't want to do TV serials, but there's like separate types of auditions for that. And then there's like the film auditions and I was really trying to do only TV commercials and film and like modeling mm -hmm. like where I can. So basically there would be like different types of what they called coordinators, which they're not even casting directors. Their whole job is to basically compile a list of all the auditions that are happening that day and they blast text messages out. So you have to try to get on these people's text chains, which is not a hard thing to do. Like they're like willing to just like text anyone and everyone and they hope they can like meet some girls along the way. So um, <laughs> yeah, so like basically like I would just get these text messages from like a bunch of these people because you just have to get on their like WhatsApp chain of people they like text. And every day I would like wake up to a series of messages of like, these are all the auditions happening today. So. 
when I was done with acting school, because in acting school, I had like a four month course that was like a very like strict routine where it's like a nine to five, like you have to be at acting school for eight hours. Um, wow. When I graduated from there, like, and they made us do like a series of projects and stuff like that to graduate. So like when I graduated, I like would start my day by like going to work out because obviously I had to like get thin because it's Bollywood and I have to look amazing. And um, <laughs> I would like go and like work out every morning. Then I would also work work on my Hindi diction so I tried to hire like a tutor for like a month or so but then like everyone kept telling me like you already know how to speak Hindi so it's like very difficult to like they're like your problem is not that you don't know how to speak Hindi because I was being told this a lot like you don't speak Hindi and I'd be like yes I do but people wouldn't even give me a chance because they'd be like mm. you have an American accent in your Hindi so when I speak Hindi they just assume that I can't speak it but it's not that I don't speak it and I would get so there offended because I'd be like that do that like Katrina Kaif and they all have American accents yeah, but, like, they've already made it. But, I I, I mean, mm. like, when you work your way up, like, all the smaller projects you have to do to, like, get, get that yeah. is, like, very difficult. And right. so they would always be like you need to work on your hindi and like um and also i will say bollywood overall is moving into the more authentic space and has been for a very long time so i do think katrina kef is an anomaly like i think and i also made the mistake of relying on her like i think um she is the exception not the norm like i think mm -hmm. most people want you to be able to speak hindi well they want you to be able to play a whole range of characters such as a village girl which i would never be able to play and like katrina kev can definitely never play one like i i think i have a better chance of being able to play a village girl than katrina kev you know mm -hmm. but it's like um like an indian village girl i mean but like it's hard to then do that with the wrong accent obviously um and so i like basically it was just so offended all the time because people would tell me like you don't speak Hindi and I'd be like bro that's like me saying you don't speak English you're gonna get so mad at me if I say that the yeah. difference is you do speak English you just have an Indian accent in your English so I can sit here being like you don't speak English because you don't speak it with an American accent which is like you know the the normalized now in this century way of speaking English just because our tech products have taken over the world. So the accent most associated with English is now an American accent. But it's like, if I if I said that to you, you'd be offended, right? Yeah. So it's like one of those things where like I was having some trouble, but I would sit in the morning and work on my Hindi diction and like practice. So it's like, this is like me waking up at like seven, going to work out first, then working on my Hindi diction, coming home, showering, um, Audition started around 12 or 1 each day and I would just try to line up as many of them as possible and just go to as many auditions as possible and I think this is like very similar to anyone's career in the West as well if they're trying to be an actor um, although here you can try to bank on having an agent a bit more and there you really can't have an agent until you're like reasonably, reasonably big then mm -hmm. you can have an agent so here almost like you can start with an agent way earlier who can help you with a lot of things that would waste your time way earlier in your career. So that's kind of like the basics. But I mean, in terms of like success, it's really difficult because you go to these auditions, right? And like, depending on what the product is, and now I'm talking only about like TV commercials because film auditions were harder to come by. Like there's not a film being made like every single day, like there is a commercial. Yeah. So like, let's say you go to these commercial auditions. Um, I remember I went to a commercial for like an audition for Maggie and there had to have been mm -hmm. at least 250 to 300 people there 
it was oh like gosh. a warehouse like people were waiting in line people were waiting on the floor like we were just sitting there like waiting to get called in all to like say like Maggie two minute noodles or something like that like some things like you know like you just go in and they give you one take because they're trying to get like as many people cycled through as possible and I was like what are the chances that I'm gonna like be able to say this like even just now when saying it I like stumbled right and I'm yeah. just like if I get one take like it's it's like so nerve-wracking but it's it, and and it makes you question like is this even a real audition then because then people will tell you all the time like a lot of times they put on fake auditions just to show that they auditioned people but they already like have people set up or like the casting director already knows oh who they want to cast they just want to show their client that they auditioned a lot of people so it's like shit like that where I don't even know whether that's true or not I still to this day don't know but you go in and you start really questioning the value of your time and the value of you as a human when you're like I'm sitting in this room with like 300 other people I'm gonna get 10 seconds to like do something in front of the camera and like I'll probably not hear back and so like it's like always like that or like when I would go, go to auditions for like beauty products for example like then they were always like very forthcoming with saying like you're not pretty or like and and it would be frustrating because firstly it's so humid in Bombay it's so hot you have to travel in like a rickshaw or something to get there you get there there's no AC in the audition room these auditions are like in complete like little grottos like it's like yeah. disgusting outside there's like mud outside the door like you know like none of it is glamorous like they make Bollywood seem like it's very glamorous but it's not and and all of it like India if you've been obviously it's very dirty and like parts of it you're just like well why am I in this shithole and it's like my personal trainer is the same personal trainer that like Katrina Kaif uses like now I'm sure he has like a way better gym now than he used to but like where I used to go I just felt like why why am I going to this like sketchy shithole but like he is really well known now and I, I agree that he like blew up afterwards but this is what I mean like it's almost like I knew all the right people I was in the right circles but it's just like it never like I think part of that internal conflict was this feels shitty and I mm. thought it was gonna feel nice but it doesn't you know and yeah. so then I would go to these auditions where I'm like very sweaty because there's no AC inside but they want you to model like fair and lovely or something so obviously you have to look at least lovely um, and I get there and then they're like your face is too sweaty you can't audition and I'm like well you don't have AC like what yeah. am I supposed to do you know and then they'd be like take a tissue blot yourself before you get in front of the camera and I remember at the fair and lovely audition they told me like you can't really audition because I like got in front of the camera several times and they were like you can't audition because I kept trying to blot my face but they're like your face is too oily still like you're just looking shiny on camera you can't audition so it's like you like get Whoa. to these things and it's like so frustrating or at other auditions I've had like creepy male casting directors like touch my hair touch my face and like under the pretense of like fixing me up maybe they were fixing me I don't know but like then they're also like touching me and being like you're not even that pretty and and then it's just like they're negging you all the time because it's like then why are you touching me so much then if I'm not that pretty you know yeah. but it's like clearly you're trying to get like some action in but also you think that if you tell me I'm not pretty I'm gonna fall at your feet and be like but help me like how do I make it I really want to make it and and yeah. I've had several instances like that where older men have told me I'm not pretty or I'm never gonna make it and they were banking on me relying on them to like get me somewhere yeah. 
So this is, uh, I mean, this is so like so many experiences that you like you voice that like ultimately highlighted a conflict for you within. So tell me a little bit more about that conflict and how it determined whether you stayed or you decided that it was for you or not. So my parents had only given me a year and they were like, if it doesn't work out in a year, you have to come home. A year is not enough time to make it in Bollywood. I didn't think I was going to like make it. I think I just thought that I would have some signal as to whether I should or shouldn't stay. But I think um, a year was definitely enough for me to like get a view of that world. And I think I kept trying for that year. I like worked my ass off tirelessly. I hardly took any days off. Like the only break I took was I went for five days to Dubai in that whole year because I was like, I need to see some clean streets. And Dubai is like the closest like (laughs) clean city. And I was like, I'm so tired of this filth everywhere, you know, and I need to see like some clean streets. So my eyes like needed a break. But yeah and that was nice to like recharge in Dubai for five days but that was it I mean if you can imagine like taking because even Saturdays and Sundays I wasn't really off because like it's not the type of industry that doesn't like yeah it's not like Monday to Friday yeah it's not a Monday to Friday schedule so I think like I was just trying so hard within that year that at the end of that year I felt comfortable that I do have enough information I did get cast in like three projects um but none of them panned out. And that was the thing. It was like heartbreaking that you go on all these auditions, you finally get some cast in something like a director takes an interest in you because the director had taken an interest in me. We had started shooting the film. And then, of course, it's like, oh, well, we're kind of out of funding. And, you know, like the monsoon is going to come again. So it's going to rain. So let's pause filming. And I'm like, so when are we going to pick it up again? And it's like no clear response. So it's like stuff like that where it's just like, what the hell? Like I like the value of my time means something, but I think that was what I that was the biggest lesson, which is like nobody values my time because I'm not important enough for anyone to value my time yet. And and I think like in India in general, it's much more of almost that feudal society where like if you're not like somebody Bollywood royalty or if you're not somebody in general, then you're a nobody. Um, and and I think I hated being treated that way. So I know like before we actually like press record, you were asking me about like one of the lessons that I learned. And I think like part of it was that I think as an American, we have this like sense of entitlement because everyone here is like trying to be somebody also. But I think that we grow up in a society where everyone's respected in some way as a person and I think Mm -hmm. not being a person was very difficult for me in India and I and what I mean by that is like I didn't even know what objectification was until I spent this year in Bollywood I was Mm -hmm. like I don't get it why is everyone always like cribbing about objectification because this is like back in like 2013 and everyone was always like talking about objectification on social media and things like that and I was like what are they all talking about all the time and then I think like when I went to Bombay and I lived this life then for the first time I was like wait I am just an object I'm actually just an object like even for like modeling it was you know, like, people would be talking about me as if I'm not there. Like, I'd go to an audition, and they'd be, like, talking to each other and just being like, she has a good jawline. Let's give her a jewelry ad. Like, she can pull off a jewelry ad because she has a good jawline. I like her face, (laughs) pretty face, symmetrical. But they're talking about me like I'm not there. And then they'd be like, 
decently decent figure not that tall so she can't really do runway she can only do print and then like you know they'd go to like the next girl and I remember like I was in an audition and like this guy had made all these comments about me like decent jawline sorry ad because her figure isn't so great because she's not tall so she can't model model western clothes so like he gave me like sorry ad jewelry ad etc right then like he goes to the next girl and he's like what am I supposed to do with you? And she's like, sir, what about me? Can I get a sorry ad too? And he's like, you've gained weight. So what am I supposed to do with you? And and so like he just That's like moved on. He, yeah. And he like said it in front of everyone. He's like, maybe you should lose some weight and then come back. And like he like said that like, but that was the norm. Like none of us even batted an eyelid because we were like, oh, poor girl. She must have gained some weight recently. And like she'll lose it next week or like, you know, not like next week, but like in a month and she'll be fine. And but it's like things like that where it's like we were always so aware that like it, it just felt like I was a nobody. Right. I'm just like yeah. cattle, basically. Like they're talking about us like we're not there. And like I was like, this is objective or like one creepy cast director casting director he told me to get up walk around do a twirl for him and it's just me and him in his office and if you guys have like watched like bombshell i feel like it was very similar all the time like where there is that moment where he like wants her to like lift her skirt a little bit more um and that kind of stuff would happen all the time where it was just like so like when I I don't want to dismiss anyone's pain but when I watched that movie I was like this is bad but I feel like what they're showing is not even like the real gravity of the situation sometimes because it's like you can get humiliated in way worse ways than that like I had Mm. gone to see a photographer and I'm asking this photographer if he can take a picture of me like it's like I'm gonna pay you to take a picture of me because I need like a modeling portfolio and he was a very known photographer but he was also a creep and he's like can you lift your shirt and I was like, why? And he's like, just lift it up to your bra line. And I was like, why? And just? he's like, I w- oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I, I need to see how flat of a stomach you have. And I was just like, what? And I, and, and like, this is the thing, like in that moment, you're like so confused. Cause you're like, does like, is this normal? Is this just happening to yeah. me? It's probably normal. I do work in an industry where like you are expected to like have like, you know, a hot body. So he probably just wants to see what he's working with because he's the photographer. So he's going to want to know. And like this, this could very well be the truth. Like he could just want to know like what he's working with, what your angles would be because he wants to know how to portray you flatteringly. But you feel very objectified. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't no and and like I don't want to lift up my shirt but like you know like in that moment you're just like I guess this is happening so yeah like it's it's like one of those things where I was always like I don't know whether I should or I shouldn't um at another audition the director like grabbed my ass and he told me to audition properly I need to come audition at his place the next day and I was like okay I'm obviously not going to that so I didn't go but it's like one of those things where I'm like you are grabbing my ass in front of all these other men in this studio and this is okay and we're all supposed to like not bat an eyelid and and like this guy works with Salman Khan like he is he has written so many of Salman Khan's films and I was thinking like oh he would be a good director to get cast with then because you know like it's gonna help me launch my career but then he was a creep so I was like I can't go to his place for an audition like fuck it (laughs) it's hard because this is an industry about like the expression using your body for expression right and being able to looks are obviously a component of it um 
however you expect a level of professionality and it, that sounds like it's out the window right so like that's where yeah. I'm like okay like if anything it matters even more what you were describing of like they were talking about me even without me like realize like, you know like with me in the room like Padma Lakshmi even talks about that in her book where she's like it, it just becomes habit you start to get used to just hearing about yourself like that and like what an unhealthy way because you know in a group full of women you can't even stand up for each other because that's just the norm and even the fact that that guy like the way he introduced that thing was just lift up like those phrases like just everything those are really great ways to make someone feel like oh if it's kind of like mitigated a little more harmless right like then maybe I should so what you mentioned earlier about like American entitlement I think it's interesting and I I'm, I want to be careful because I'm not saying like because American upbringing is better or something right than Indian. I think there is a part of the American society, though, when you're growing up that you learn to at least have some certain boundaries or respect for people that. I learned that you internalize and even to your point, when you go to India and people are talking to you a certain way or acting a certain way, you're like, I don't deserve that. Right. And like, that's something that I I don't see as heavily in India, at least. Um, And I think that that was probably really hard because like it's like on one hand, like, could you unlearn all that and like just suck it up? probably hard to drown that voice out which might have also helped you make some good decisions about like your boundaries and like what was appropriate what wasn't yeah exactly I I think like before when we were talking about this I was saying I think part of the reason I wasn't successful in Bollywood is that voice that that sense of entitlement I think it kept me from doing things that a lot of people would be willing to do which maybe in turn would have resulted in Mm -hmm. eventually like some projects for them um I just don't know I mean we'll never know I don't have the answer for the path not taken right I don't know like if I had like if I had like not just I don't think I would ever be willing to like sleep around with people but I just mean like and and this is the thing like people always think that that's just transactional like you sleep with someone once they give you a film that's the that's actually the worst part that it's not as transactional I wish it was that black and white that almost would reduce the cost of like what it like you know the Mm. cost that you were considering usually it's not like that it's more subtle and not so much that you just need to sleep with them to get the film it's more like firstly they expect you to sleep with them one time but you don't know how many times they're gonna ask for that and if they're ever gonna like follow through on their promise yeah Yeah. and and it's more so that like usually it's not as transactional like a one-to-one usually you have to like basically date the person to get anywhere and that's what most of these actresses do like most of them are dating um like in bollywood most actresses are dating men that have more power than these actresses have and that's what they're doing for a long long time like they'll they'll date them for years go to parties on their shoulders and like on their arms as like the, the eye candy that they brought into the party for years to like build their network to like get introduced to people to maybe eventually get cast or not by the same person that they're dating then move on to dating the next guy but it's basically like playing like a dating game while trying to 
like become an actress and and i also think that that's potentially why sometimes there's a lack of craft in bollywood because most of your energy is going towards looking good and staying hot and staying fit and dating you know like mm -hmm. that like the networking and finding work is more of the game than the craft and that's definitely true of hollywood too where like or any industry of creative like even as creators on instagram like we'll realize this right like how much of our time are we spending like editing and like making things marketable than just like having like amazing content because it's like a free expression of art so that's true of any industry but i think like in bollywood it's especially acute yeah that makes sense and i'm also glad like fortunately you had that privilege on your side where you could go back home you could come back to the states right like you had other prospects for your jobs where you could you know be able to if things didn't work out um, but I wonder about the girl that might need it desperately, right? Like this is her way out. And she's like, maybe this is the one thing I have going for myself and how that person might end up feeding into that. Some of the things that we're being told and what I was hearing from what you were saying too, is I've been hearing about a lot of men, like, you know, if when you're talking about like a heteronormative, like piece of like women are like having to sleep with these men in, or like dating them in order to get those roles. It, was it mostly like was that your experience like majority like men in power or were there women in positions of power too? were, were the same um, difficulties imposed if if you were trying to become a Bollywood actor so most of the time that I was so in the time that I was there most of it was um, men I know that it's changing so I don't know what what it's like now because I was there like seven years ago um, but I would hear lots of stories for men having to do sexual favors as well, especially with gay casting directors, of which there were a lot. And I think there's a lot of closeted gays in Bollywood as well. I think Garan Johar is like openly gay, but there's a lot of closeted gay gays, and, and I think they would prefer to stay that way. And so there's that whole element of like fear when you let someone know that someone touched you inappropriately but you also want that person to cast you so you're not gonna like sling mud on their reputation because you want the role yeah so for someone who's like a alia putt let's say like i remember her coming up you know like that first movie she was in like my sister was like oh my gosh love this movie mostly that guy who was in it she was like obsessed with but i was wondering like how does one and now where she is i'm like that's so interesting. We saw her in her first movie and like kind of followed her career take off. How does someone get there, in your opinion, having seen it? Um, and maybe she was related to someone, too, but I don't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she is a major star kid. Um, oh. She is, if you know the name Mahesh Putt. Yeah. Yeah, she's Mahesh Putt's daughter. Oh, no way. OK, that makes sense. So then how about yeah. someone who's coming out? Like, does that happen at all? Like someone like you who comes to Mumbai and Google Maps Bollywood and shows up? Um, I think it happens, but it's not that common. So Grithi Sanon claims that she didn't know anyone and she's just a Delhi girl. Um, Anushka Sharma claims the same thing. And I say claims not because I don't believe these people, but because I just think that the raw story will be a little bit different or like the real story will be a little bit different than what they portray 
Gangana Renau says the same thing. So I say says and like claims about all these people because I just don't know. I feel like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying it's because, I mean, they're obviously not a star kid. Like they're obviously not someone's like child. But I, but I do think that there's avenues into Bollywood that I don't have where, um, like Deepika, for example, her dad was a badminton player. I don't know if that actually helps her, but I think that his exposure to certain circles would have helped him because he was like, I think he was a very prominent yeah. badminton player in India. Probably definitely. Um, with Anushka Sharma, I think she, her dad was like military, so it's, it seems really unrelated. But I know both Griti and Anushka went the modeling route. Like they were like first models that were like very successful and then they got into it. So that's probably possible. I'm sure that like they started their careers as, as models and then like they just did a bunch of like TV commercials and things like that and eventually got noticed by like major um, production houses and got cast. So it's pro- it's like it's possible and I think increasingly so it's possible. And but I think like to go the modeling route obviously you had to look like a model and be a model before. Um, and then and like by that I mean the conventional definition of what a model used to be because nowadays everything's about like body positivity and everything's changing so much. But back then you had to be like you know like 5'9", 5'10", be like a stick and and that's what those girls are right or were yeah back when they started and and i think still are um but anyway i think like that's that's kind of how other people get started i i do think the industry is changing now mostly because of streaming platforms so you see a lot more like normal looking people coming into indian productions as well but i think when we I think this is the other thing that makes it so hard. What even is Bollywood? Like, it's not clear, right? It's like, at least Hollywood is like a real place Mm -hmm. that you can go to. But it's like, I think anything that is the Hindi film industry, we just call Bollywood. But then we also think of certain things as like indie films, just like we do in America. So I guess it just means like Bollywood is mostly like things that aren't backed by a major production house. But these days, like that definition is also fragmenting because there's like more distribution with these... um, with these streaming platforms. So more and more like production houses are coming up that can be getting a deal with Netflix or getting a deal with Amazon. So they've become a major production house, but they're not like your Dharma, your Red Chili's, your Yeshraj films. They're like newbies. So it's 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 interesting. I think the market is just changing a lot, but I think that's why now you see a lot more not conventionally attractive like Indian people that are like making it in Hindi content. Yeah, that makes sense. I I can't help but wonder too like with your piece of like the way that people talked about bodies and even like you know with the people who are becoming more and more famous now and how they started off like now that you're you know now you're in tech and you're you know clearly not in Mumbai anymore you're sitting in the US so how has that affected your relationship with your own body now like when you look contemporary like today you look in the mirror, like the self-talk you have about your body. How has that, if it has, been influenced by that time in your life? That's so funny that you asked me that because I, I really do think, like my friends always tell me I have like body dysmorphia. <laughs> Uh Or like I have like, I mean, I don't think I have like an actual disease and I'm not trivializing eating disorders or anything, but I do think I I have more hangups, maybe not more, like definitely as many as like the next girl, but not any less. Like there's, there's no way I'm going to have any less hangups than like anyone else where I'm going to be like, I am totally comfortable in my own skin. And I think for the most part, I, I like my friends always comment on how I don't eat enough and like things like that. And I think I'm constantly 
still in that mindset of like I can't gain too much weight um I like my skin needs to stay clear like and and I always joke about this too with some of my other friends but I always talk about how I'm not on board with this like body positivity movement this might be like my own bitterness but it's mostly just because it's almost like when I was trying to make it in the industry everyone and their mom was telling me I was fat like every single person like mm. whether it be like a neighbor and auntie or it be like a casting director every single person was constantly telling me I'm fat and I was like you know I had like a 25 inch waist like it's not like I was yeah I wasn't fat like I was just like a normal girl and so I think like it was difficult to like hear that and and constantly be told like you're fat like you're not gonna make it because you're fat um people would sometimes tell me like you're an attractive girl you just have to lose some weight and so I I really think that that has like impacted me in the long term and and like now I'm always just like nowadays it's so easy to be beautiful like anyone can be beautiful that's like you know because social media is just like so and so is beautiful so and so is beautiful like no matter what you look like but I think that's that bitterness in me when I say things like I'm not on board with this body positivity movement it's it's not coming from a place of like actual hatred it's coming from a place of like bitterness and this is unfair because when I was trying to make it it, I didn't get that treatment and now it's just like Mm. now suddenly everything's beautiful so I and so I always joke with my friends like because people are always telling me like you are always on a diet when are you not on a diet and I'm like this is like if I don't do this I'm gonna gain weight because also like my body type some people naturally have a tendency to gain weight and I'm one of those people right and so my weight fluctuates a lot and so I think that like in general, I, I, I'm not one of those girls that's ever been like able to eat anything and will never gain weight. Like it shows on me like very quickly. I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think like I'm always telling my friends like, but beauty should be aspirational. Like if everyone's beautiful, no one's beautiful. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> like, it's like, and it's a very cynical way of looking at it, but it's almost transformed me into that person where I'm like, I'm going to be chasing beauty for the rest of my life. I know it. And I'll probably never think I'm beautiful, but I'll like keep chasing it. But that's my comfort zone. You know, yeah. like I'm not trying to become this person where I'm like, no, I'm really pretty. I think I'm very comfortable constantly chasing beauty because that's what motivates me then like I have to aspire to something so I'm like beauty is aspirational otherwise there's no point so so yeah like long story short I do think those years in Bollywood have impacted my own perception of my body um maybe in good ways maybe in bad ways but like at the very least I'll forever be trying to look good (laughs) right and it's really interesting how you brought that back with you in a way that yeah it's, it sounds like it's really resonated with you and stayed with you and it can be um really hard to break those that's why I think we have so many conversations about body dysmorphia and why it's difficult like you know I, I always think about like what the skeptical auntie or uncle would say and it's like oh like you know your problem is you want to be skinny like boohoo but you're like no like this is serious like it really fucks with your brain and like changes your whole experience and for me, like it changes what was, your whole life. Yeah, like, my if you're day primarily is worried planned, about that. <laughs> yeah, my day is planned in a way where, like, eating and not eating—I would say not eating—is a very important part of it. Like, it's yeah. just like planned in that way. I feel sad, like hearing that too, because it's like 
there is already such a noted like judgment oriented about bodies um mindset in our south asian society like typically you walk into a room and like no one's asked but they're like oh you've gained weight you haven't your acne is good your acne is bad your hair is thinning whatever and on top of that if you amplify in a more looks driven industry like how much that effect is um, I, I don't know. I felt like this, this is a meme. So like humor me, but, um, I remember seeing this one meme where it, like recently, um, that was like, oh, like looking back on your deathbed, are you going to miss the fact that you didn't, are you going to feel happy about the fact that you didn't wear that swimsuit that day and go swimming because you were conscious about your body or will you wish that you did do that and have that experience? And it really stuck with me because I myself have had like a lot of body issues with just, you know, like similarly like wavering with weight, but I have PCOS. So that's a hormonal syndrome and you just, you just gain weight. I have weight. that too. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. And, and it's so, so that's, difficult. Exactly. That's, that's what I meant by like, I just naturally will never be skinny. Like I like, it'll always fluctuate a lot and it's a lot of work for me. <laughs> Oh my God, same here. The hustle is so real. Like I am stressed as fuck about my wedding coming up and like losing pandemic weight, but then you can't stress because if you stress, then you amplify the effects in your hormonal loop, as you know. So whole combination, but I'm starting to think differently about it because in my 20s, I had the fear of I won't meet someone. Um, if I'm not skinny, because that's I how I still have that fear. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of my fear is very cosmetic in that I need to keep myself marketable because I like haven't met the love of my life. And I think half the time I'm just like, guys don't want to date me because I'm fat. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so interesting, Shabnam, because also when I saw your profile, I remember I you know how you use women in photos to be like in your brain benchmark whether you're skinny enough or not. I you used yeah. I used you as a benchmark of like, oh, I should be looking like that. Look at her being able to enjoy her body and show it on Instagram because Aww. I cannot. So I yeah, I feel like it's such a it's such a like to me personally, my point of view is like it's such a sad way to live because if we could think about other things, worry about other things, like how beautiful would that be? And I think like to yeah. be surrounded by not only that society, but like an industry that really amplified that. Like, I, I wish that like for you that also like if it's OK to say that, you know, that it will become slowly like a quieter and quieter voice in your mind, because there is so much beauty uh, aside from that beauty that we apparently think. But I can hear you on that feeling of betrayal almost of like. When did suddenly everyone become so pro this, right? Like, I, I even feel this way about, like, brown beauty. I'm like, great. Where was all this when I was like, fuck, should I, like, put lemon on my face, you know, every night? How do you see this, like, tension between, like, Bollywood having done the things that they did, but now kind of calling out? Like, there's that discomfort when we see, like, for example, Priyanka Chopra calling out Black Lives Matter because... You're like, well, you've been in fair and lovely commercials forever. You have easily done so many treatments. It's clear that she's done something to change her looks many times. But now she's speaking out about like inner power and like, you know, the, these topics around colorism and racism. So what how do you look at it? I try not to get too upset by it, to be honest, because I just feel like 
India just does whatever the West does and copies it. So I'm not surprised. I, I, I find I found myself annoyed when the Me Too movement happened in India and I wasn't shocked by it, but I was annoyed about it because I was like, again, where was all this when I was going through this? Mm. Um, it's almost like this movement is only happening in, happening in India right now because it happened in the West first. So it, feel, it felt inauthentic to me and I was annoyed frankly i was like this is pathetic and i think like Mm. as a side note like i i also think this heavily impacts my perceptions of appropriation and stuff like that too frankly because i think that india borrows from the west nonstop without actually giving credit to like who came up with the idea or like what it means it's just one of those things where like and of course there's like colonialism and all that I understand but but I do think that in general Indian society blindly follows whatever the West does but I think that if the West tries to like copy the East in some way then people may have some issues with it and be like oh this is appropriation without realizing and stopping to think is it actually appropriation or is it just a cultural exchange I think sometimes people aren't really like giving Mm. it that critical thought but I think this is this is what I mean by like I just I wasn't shocked like with the Priyanka and the fair and lovely thing. I wasn't outraged because I was like, this is just more classic Indian people just getting on the bandwagon with whatever the West does. There's like nothing new or surprising about this. So as you know, Down to Brown's mission is about freeing ourselves from the pressures of American assimilation and all the norms and messages that we hear growing up as South Asian as well. And what would life look like without that? So when you think about your time in Bollywood and how that has stayed with you, what are some of the takeaways that you brought that helped you kind of approach this freeing of yourself? Um, That's an interesting question. I think like maybe I want to approach that question in like two parts. Yeah. So I think when I think about just the takeaway in general, um, I, th- I think I learned a lot about I people love to say that to be successful in Bollywood you need to know someone I think that that is d- true I'm not denying that I think it's more so that what people probably don't understand is like I was saying before just as the sex isn't transaction- transactional and that like I sleep with you you give me this movie neither is nepotism so I think that people think that if you know someone, then like your whole career is much easier to manage. I know plenty of people that know people like I like I can't name them because I'm sworn to secrecy because I respect my friendship with these people still. But they they are like cousins of like royalty of Bollywood, basically. Right. And yet they can't get into it so Mm. I I think that I'm not saying that that's like not helpful like I still like like I said Alia Bhatt star kid basically like it it helps it 100% helps there's no denying that but I think what people often don't realize is that there's also people that are almost on the fringes of Bollywood where like we may not consider them fringe because they're so much closer closer than we are there's also people that are like on the fringes, such as Shahid Kapoor, his dad was an actor, and he was he was a successful actor. Like he's he's not an unsuccessful actor, and he, his dad was an actor in TV shows mostly, and like maybe a few films. But he wasn't like to the level of like Shah Rukh Khan or anything. His act, his dad. So it's it's almost like. Shahid, I'm not saying that having a dad in the industry didn't help or that his dad wouldn't have helped him. I don't know those details. But what I do know is 
what did Shahid see growing up? He saw his dad going out there, going to auditions, trying to make a living, doing the hard work required to become an actor. That mm-hmm. is conditioning that most of us don't have. And I think conditioning and mindset are a very large portion of this game. Um, I hear all the time that like Ranveer saying is an outsider. He's not a complete outsider. He's actually related to Sonam Kapoor, Anil Kapoor's family. He's actually Sonam Kapoor's maternal cousin, like on her mom's side. I don't know mm. how much of an impact this had or didn't have on his upbringing. He, Ranveer Singh is also like a stage name. His last name is actually Bambani. He's Sindhi. I'm also half Sindhi. Um, but I feel like this is the thing. Like people don't realize that people actually are connected somehow. But I really think that a lot of it is because they don't want to tell that story because they probably want to make it seem like they made it. But I think part of it might be that identity crisis of if you are related to someone, but that person never actually helped you, you don't want to give them any undue credit. Like you don't want to be like, I am here because of so-and-so if that person never really helped you. So I don't know. Like, that's one of those things where I'll never be able to tell whether those people were actually helped or not. But what does help and what people don't give enough credit to is that conditioning, right? If you grew up in a family where you've seen people, like, not get a college degree, not, like, get a real job waste away years of their life just going to auditions or just going to cafes and networking because you have family money and you have the ability to spend your life doing this you're gonna do it too whereas like us as like south asian americans like i think we've always had a lot of pressure to do the next thing and like the next thing has usually come with a time limit it's always like Mm -hmm. get into college our whole lives pre-college are all about getting into the best college possible then after college it's like about getting the best job possible and so there's always something that we need to be doing and as children of immigrants we have that pressure and i don't think that children of non-immigrants in india especially if they're in that industry have the same type of pressure in that Mm. industry it is a known fact that you may never make it and if you waste away your whole life trying that's just part and parcel of the game that's why not every single member of every single bollywood family is famous frankly like it's like an expectation only some of them will be famous and some of them won't and that's just how it goes Shilpa Shetty was famous her sister never became famous Katrina Kaif is famous her sister isn't that famous like people know that you either make it or you don't make it and it's like luck of the draw but then what's important and gives you the luxury to try is that conditioning yeah that makes sense I mean it's like like when we grow up with someone that like has corporate right like I'm just using that because it's common and you kind of know right like what are the challenges how do you get through like you're even prepared to deal with some of those interactions that you mentioned that you might have been caught off guard with but they might be like I already know this guy is going to do this so this is how I'm going to approach it so it's like very there's a privilege to it there's a fallback plan too if you're coming for money in that way too and so I think I I hear you like there's a lot that's unspoken and I, I I hear it also like as like privilege as well from having that information and having that ability that's why we respect people who like no one in their family has gone to college they go to college first you know like it's it's insane like you know like that messaging I would have never thought about because I only grew up knowing I have to go to college and this is how it's going to be for example yeah exactly and so I think going back to your question in terms of like what how would we be if we didn't have the pressures of assimilation I think this almost like goes back to what you were asking me before which is in this case it was almost like I would say the American dream was clashing with my dream Mm -hmm. It's like because of the American dream, I was unable to 
almost participate fully in that other dream because with the American dream, like, and this is also like that pressure of assimilation that our immigrant parents have put on us, that success or what success looks like was very different. Like it was like, I am at the time I was as educated as I could possibly be. I had an undergrad degree. Um, I didn't pursue a master's, but I mean like at that age, that was like the most educated I could have been. I was coming from reasonably well-off parents in the US who had lived their American dream when they moved over from India and made it as like pretty much like a lot of Indian Americans do, like bought a big house in the suburbs, like did what they could and like made money in this country. So that entitlement that came with me to India because of that, like we should be pushing that dream forward of like, I should be getting a successful job also where I have a six figure salary, where I like have a really nice car and I live in a really big house. That was at odds with the reality of Bombay where I'm like, you know, like getting out of an auto rickshaw in the mud, trying not to get dirty as I go into an audition room for a fair and lovely commercial while there's no AC and I'm sweating and I'm told I can't even audition because I don't look good. Like those are clashing experiences and they're clashing dreams and they're clashing realities. So I think that that was um, that was what was really hard. And I think that going back to the question of like the pressures of assimilation, I think the problem is that we are facing assimilation on two levels like i think we're facing assimilation on assimilating into america as a brown person but we're also facing assimilation as an indian american and fitting into an indian american society and i think that i really struggle with the latter i struggle more with the latter i would think than than the former Mm -hmm. because i and it's ironic that i am saying this because people would be like but you're so brown you have like a brown podcast (laughs) (laughs) i think the reason i started that was because of i was like is anyone else feeling this way like what are these unreal expectations am i gonna become casual when i become married no like am i gonna like am i gonna get married and like just like go on all these hinge dates just to get married ASAP no it doesn't really fit my personality type so I almost think at my core a lot of those values are western but I think that on the outside I'm very like invested in like or interested in South Asian culture because I think as a culture it has a lot to offer but then people often misconstrue them like people think I will have those like Hindustani values and and like I don't, frankly, most of the time. And so I I think I struggle with that quite a bit. And that's my pressure of assimilation more so than assimilating into the West. 